Welcome to The Shift, the podcast that empowers you to make a change in your life and chase your dreams with passion and purpose. If you are tired of feeling stuck in a life that doesn't fulfill you, if you have big dreams and ambitions but struggle to turn them into reality, if you want to break free from self-doubt and limited beliefs, Join us every week to listen to inspiring stories from regular people just like you, actionable insights, and the motivation you need to make the shift towards your own dreams. And please don't forget to share, subscribe, and leave us a review to help spread the message and inspire others. Hey, welcome back, shifters. Today, I have a Pleasure to introduce you to John Evans. John and I are on multiple Facebook groups. We knew each other for quite some time, but only recently we kind of jumped on the phone, talked for a bit, and got to know each other better. Just to make a quick intro, John, I don't want to steal my thunder from you, but uh, I do want to introduce you to all people that listen to us. So John Evans had previously spent time working as a W2 employee. He was working as operations manager for about six years, and a supply chain manager for about three years, three years. And while he was at W2, he began a side hustle, which is a property management company. And then John sat down with his wife to create a roadmap for him to leave his W2 in, I believe, 2021. Fast forward. John and his business partner own the Alliance company and operate multiple vertically integrated businesses in the real estate space. And by the way, he recently published his first book. And we'll talk about everything on this podcast. And yeah, so John, really pumped, really excited to have you on my podcast. I think it's going to be fantastic. I do want to go, I do want to ask lots of questions, but I think let's start from the beginning. Right, so maybe introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and we'll go from there. Yeah, man. Thank you, Eugene. I'm proud to be here with you, man, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me on today. As you said, I'm John Evans. I'm actually from Florence, South Carolina. It's about an hour from our capital, which is Columbia, South Carolina. And I'm about two hours from Charleston. A lot of people on on here watching probably know where Charleston is. So I'm about two hours from Charleston, uh, north of Charleston, north, northwest, basically. We visit there a lot. We have a lot of mutual friends there. You and I have some mutual friends there as well. So we go there a good bit. But really, I started kind of with the real estate bug back when I was a young teenager. My grandparents raised me here in South Carolina, and my grandmother and grandfather both worked W-2 employees had long-term careers with one company. I'm a grandfather of 45 years with one company, Sunoco Products, large paper mill. And my grandmother, she was an accountant for Nucor Steel, which is one of the largest uh, steel manufacturers in the world. So my grandmother, she, on the side, she knew finances and she was the savvy one of the family. She understood side hustles, what it took to generate extra income and take a savings and invest it. So she bought a yeah. small mobile home park back whenever I was, I don't know, she probably bought it when I was 10 or 12, but whenever I was oh, cool. 
old enough to drive, my weekends were and afternoons after school were spent helping her keep up the mobile home park. So I would cut the grass. I would do unit turns with her. She would teach me how to. She was hands-on, but yeah, she was also kind of the person supervising and pointing the finger. <laughs> we need that done. So we had a couple uh, people that would help. Like we had an AC guy, so he would always repair the AC units just because they were a little out, outside of my scope of what I knew how to do. So, But he would teach me what he could whenever I was around, whenever we had units mess up. But a lot of what I did was, like I say, keep up all the grounds. I would turn units. I would take carpet out. I'd put new carpet in. I'd put in linoleum floors. Back then, that's what you used. You didn't have LVP like we do today. So and you, if we had holes in the wall, we'd replace the paneling, which was easy to replace back then in mobile homes. But I can remember she bought, I mean, she would buy some of these things for like 2500 bucks and get them moved into the park and then we would go in and renovate them so we'd, we'd be like all in at twelve, fifteen thousand dollars for a, a mobile home even we get rents for six fifty seven hundred dollars a month so the return your roi there was uh was pretty steep so really good investment back in the day <clears throat> so i did that whenever i was younger and that really kind of gave me the real estate bug because i always thought about the cash flow side of things, I'd see people paying rent. They'd bring rent. Back then, they'd bring rent to the house because she managed it. We kind of managed it on our own, so we didn't have a property manager to shield us. So she mm. took care of tenant relations. She took care of rent collections. She took care of listing them in the paper. Back then, you would list them in the newspaper whenever you had an opening or a vacancy. So anyway, from there, I went off to college just like most of us do. I went to a local college from my undergrad, and then I started working corporate America before I actually graduated. I worked as a supervisor. Actually, I was an engineering intern for a local welding and cutting plant here in Florence. I worked there for like eight years, and then I went to grad school while I was working for Otis Elevator which is really kind of where I began my entrepreneurial spirit, so to speak. So while I'm working at Otis, I was operations manager for my first, I believe, four and a half, five years. And I had 200 hourly team members and 10 supervisors, salary supervisors that reported to me. But all the while, I was, I was working this. We actually took three plants from Mexico, and we shut them down, and we moved them all to... America. So we moved them all to Florence under one roof. So we consolidated three manufacturing plants and we put them all under one roof. Well, when I first had something solid like a big job, man. Yeah, it, it was very intense, very um, high pressure, fast paced environment. But I was on the transformation team in the very beginning. I was hired in, I think I was the 15th personal site, and it was nothing but a shell. Our plant was not functional. We didn't have any manufacturing going on. So what I was, I would go over to Mexico, kind of learn their process and then come back to Florence and I would try to figure out that how could we implement their process, but make it better, make it more efficient. And and we did that, man, for like, I mean, it took us three years to get the plant even stabilized to where we could actually make a, a full elevator. Mm-hmm. So that really taught me how to be resourceful. 
It taught me how to think on my own. It taught me a lot of really good things that I take today with me and run my own businesses with. A lot of the thought processes that I had to go through because think about it, when you're starting up a large plant like that, you have a team around you, but you might not have every single person there to make decisions, say 12 o'clock at night when we were in the plant or 6 a.m. in the mornings we were in the plant. You might not have the key person that can make a decision. So a lot of times you'd make, we were making decisions on our own. We were just, we were just built from, from there. And then we built out a lot of different processes around manufacturing because nobody here really knew how our local job pool didn't really understand how to make an elevator because we didn't have an elevator company around here. Uh, So we had to train from scratch basically because building elevators, although you, you do a lot of it on automated assembly lines, it's really critical because as you can tell you, Eugene, you and me and my family, our families are riding elevators all the time when you're in big buildings or in big airports or in hotels or whatever. So it's very critical that you have every piece correct on the assembly. Right. This is very critical. They had a, a critical role. And I just, I learned a lot and I wouldn't trade. I was actually talking to Tim Vitale yesterday, a mutual friend of mine of yours. Both left America. And I yep. told him, I wouldn't trade my time in any of my roles in corporate America because I just learned so much and it equipped me to be able to make the jump and go out on my own. Yeah. I think it's so important, right? I think it's so important. The skills that you acquire on one job and if you are able to transfer those skills to some, Hey y'all, just a quick interruption. Would love to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Y2 Capital Group Debt Fund. You know, with so much uncertainty, Y2 Capital Group Debt Fund was created to give accredited private investors a peace of mind. It helps investors to park their money short and long-term, has 90-day liquidity, no management fees, keep investors' money safe and secure, provides stable high-yield returns of 7 to 10% annually, depending on the investment size, and compounds investors' interest rate on a monthly basis. Just FYI, Y2 Capital Group doesn't accept everyone. The best way to see if this is the right match between you and Y2 Capital Group is to jump on the discovery call. The link to book a call is further down below in our show notes. And back to our episode. Transfer those skills to something else, right? I think it's, uh, the jump can be less frustrating, right? Less... Uh, you can spend less time actually transferring to other things. And I think it's a pretty smart, I think it's pretty smart what you did, right? So you just took your skills that you acquired and apply them to something else. So, yeah. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. There I went to supply chain manager role, which I held that role for like about two years. And I had a portfolio of vendors and suppliers that I would basically marry up with our product. And one of my largest customers was a a fastener company where I bought all the nuts and bolts and all the rivets Mm -hmm. and all of the components that held each assembly piece together. And we actually moved them also from up north and moved them down here. And they had a supply facility right across the road from our current manufacturing 
uh, facility. So I was a part of that transformation as well. And mm-hmm. I think uh, my book of business was around $8 million, I believe, when I first started in that role. And within a year and a half or so, I had grown it to about $56 million. Oh, uh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, and I took the operations because I knew everything about the plant, right? So I took that and then I leveraged it in order to be able to. So I knew all of these parts. I knew every component because I was in the plant for so many years on every okay. assembly line. So I was able to leverage that skill set and that knowledge to be able to do really well in the supply chain. And so it was a really good move for me. It was a good step in stone. And then really from there, I was on what they call like the executive training program. So you get placed in like a promotional type certain roles they put you in in order to grow and understand the way each department does business so they didn't just want me to have operations they wanted me to also have supply chain skill set as well so they put me in certain roles and then the next eventually over time the goal was to promote up and basically kind of run an entire plant or run a whole area of plants and kind of be a uh, somewhat of a general manager so to speak over a certain area I mean it's I mean, it sounded like you had a very good path. Oh yeah, um, in your W two career, right? So it's like a sort of predictable where you wanted to go, where you may end up in the near future, right? And it sounded like being an executive for such a big company wouldn't be a very bad thing if you think about it, right? Yeah. So, well, so what changed? What changed? <laughs> what changed? So yeah. what? what you really changed, like, why did you make a move? Like, tell, tell us about that. Let's talk about, uh, yep. like, you are on a trajectory of being, like, a very, very successful executive, right? And yep. then you changed the trajectory to go entrepreneurship. So let's talk about like, what changed. Yeah, so I always knew I wanted more than... I was, I was at 160 with all the benefits and everything they gave me with everything. I think I was at 160, 163 a year on salary. So it was really good salary. For my area, that's pretty much in the top 6 to 5%. So yeah, it was very good. So, But I knew, I mean, I'm only going to get to a certain point. I'm only going to get to a certain level. And in my book, I even write about this. Don't cap yourself because you're worth more. I felt capped. I felt like I was, I could only do so much. I, I could only abide by every single process that I was given through corporate America. I could only do so much. And so it was a every day, come in, do your job, sit in the office and do this and do that. That's kind of how your day structured in that type of environment. Well, I would started looking for real estate to buy like a duplex or single family houses, that type of stuff. For an investment because we had some money we'd saved up so my mm-hmm. first deal i bought a duplex and i had that as like a side hustle and it mm-hmm. was flowing pretty good we bought it it was one side was down one side was renting well so we renovated one side and raised the rents and created a good equity spread and so i went kind of back to my roots and said well what do i want to do outside of corporate america in order to generate more income to build wealth and to build something more than where I'm at today for my family. And so that was kind of the deciding factor on why I jumped out and said, okay, I want to take on some real estate while I'm working my W-2 because I knew I could get 
the loan through the bank, I knew I could get funded because I had some cash on hand and I had a good job. So when I did that, I actually bought about a year later, I found a seller that was a builder in the area and he'd built a whole bunch of duplexes for himself over about a 25 year span. So when he and I met, we got to talking, I knew, I said, okay, he's out of depreciation because I'd educated myself for about three years before I ever bought my first property. Plus I had some education back from my grandmother whenever I helped her. So I kind of knew what to look for, what questions to ask, because I invested in myself before I ever invested in a property. And we did a seller carryback deal is how I actually bought my second deal, which was 28 units. And it also had a 40 unit deal attached to it. So it was a total of 68 units for roughly nice. 3.7 to $3.8 million deal. And I bought the 28 units with a seller carryback where he brought in $210,000 from the million. So I bought it for $1,050,000. And so the bank was able to fund me for that as well. So I, I was able to buy that deal with a seller carryback and hardly any of my own money in the deal up front. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, and though that deal actually, I, I had a partner with me. So those two deals, along with some of the properties I own and then some properties that a partner of mine at the time owned, okay. the property management company because we had the 40-unit deal, the 28-unit deal. The 40-unit deal we bought with an investor because I spent, the bank wouldn't loan me for the 40-unit deal. I didn't make that kind of money, but they would loan me for the 28-unit 20 deal. Okay. So I brought in an investor to take down the 40 units. So we were able to get the deal done as well. So then we said, well, we got all these units. And I interviewed a bunch of property management companies in the area, and they just didn't really satisfy what I was looking for when I started talking about asset management versus property management. <laughs> they didn't really want to get into that part of it. They just wanted to place tenants, list units that were vacant, do unit turns and clean outs. They didn't really want to get into the investing side of it. So anyway, I started a property management company. I said, well, heck, I mean, maybe there's an open, there's a market for this. So I started a property management company. We managed our own units, but we had some investors that I had already been making contacts with, building my network locally that said, hey, what? I'm building brand new units. I'd love to give you a shot. Let me come on with you. So within about a year and a half, we grew from 68 units to over 400. And it was, I mean, it was a, it was fun doing it, but I look back now and I think about a lot of the mistakes we made. One, I didn't have enough team members, enough bandwidth, if you will, to take on so many units so fast. Right. And it created a little bit of burnout with some of my team members that I did bring on because when we first started a property management company. I ended up hiring a broker in charge and paid a full salary for her to basically help us kind of run and build that business while I was still working my W-2. And, and that's important. That's an important fact that I want everyone to understand is that I did a good bit of it on my own in the very beginning when we just had a few units. But yeah. then once we scaled really quick and we started adding those multiples into the mix, I knew real quick, I said, okay, I can't work my W-2 have a family life and run a property management company because the the call volume was just was skyrocketing. When you go mm -hmm. from 
six to two to six units and then up to 28 units and then another 40 <laughs> units and then yeah it just gets real yeah. it gets demanding was it scary to go from two units to 400 units pretty quickly well it was fun it was scary in a good way because you got to a point to where, okay, you're making no money, you're drawing nothing out of all your time and efforts, and then all of a sudden you get to a point where you can make a little bit of money. Right. You made it make sense. Right. Um, so, yeah, that scaling factor was a little scary because I just I didn't have – it was me, it was one other person, and then I finally was able to bring on another person. So I had three people basically at the office, including myself, and mm -hmm. once I left corporate America. So once I left corporate America is when it got – when I could somewhat have some relief because I could keep my hands on what was going on on the day to day. But I, I could understand how to run the business, yeah. operate it. Right. While I left corporate America, yes, it was a little scary because I just couldn't stay, I couldn't stay engaged the way I wanted to. Yeah. So let's put this pause for a second. So before we move into like all the good stuff that you're doing right now, I want to take a step back just a uh, little step back and go back to the time where you were still on W2. It seems like you started, you bought some units, you opened the property management company. And while you were still on W2, you were building network. You were building your network. You were connected with people because, I mean, heck, you have to connect with people to take down six to eight units, right? Like, so you have to know someone. Who could sell you those units? You have to know who could help you buy those units, right? So you, yep. you have been building your network, which is like an important factor too, right? Like whatever you want to do, like you have to surround yourself with people that are already doing this. And like a lot of people probably heard about the phrase, "Yeah, network is the is your network right? right. And, uh, I think this is exactly what happened in your scenario. But let's go back just for a second. Let's go back to a time where you were still W2, right? And then you were thinking about, man, I really want to probably get out of W2. Like, I want to know, like, what thoughts you had at that time of leaving your W2, right? And... What like what exactly you were thinking? Like I want to go back to that specific moment of time to tell our listeners, like, because I think a lot of people go through the same stuff, right? A lot of people think about different things. So what exactly you were thinking at the time, and how did you tackle that specific demons, if you will, in your head to move forward? So. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's a really good question. I always knew from even early on when I was younger, I always knew I wanted to help people and grow something to the point to where grow it in abundance so I can help in abundance. When you and I talked about it, where I love the book, The Go-Giver, I've given out, I can't tell you how many copies, well over 100 uh, to multiple people. But I always looked at it as if I can get because in my W-2, I couldn't help people the way I wanted to. I always have people come to me to give me some type of personal problem, and I just couldn't get into the personal side of things because I was there were rules in corporate America. Um, right. 
I couldn't even buy pizza for my team from time to time because I'd get my hand slapped. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to do that because other, other supervisors aren't able to do it or, or what have you. It was just a bunch of red tape. I didn't really want to be involved all of right. in my life for the remainder of my career. So I knew, I said, well, hey, if I can build, if I can do what I've been doing in corporate America and build a great career like this, I could go out and do it on my own and build something even better that I potentially won't even have a cap. I won't be capping myself or my family's income. But that, that was a, a real deciding moment for me was I can't help but so many people making $160,000 a year. I really can't. But if I could go make a million, five million, 10, 20 million, I mean, I can help a lot of people with that type of income, including my family. So that was kind of the mindset shift was that's where it really started was how can I get to the point where I can go help a lot of different people with, if they want to get into real estate, if they want to get out of their W-2, if they want to do anything else other than what they're doing today and make a better life for themselves, how can I do that? If I'm stuck behind these four walls and these golden deals. Yeah. yeah. So the cool part about it is that I actually, so my wife and I, we talked about it a lot and she knew, she really knew that I was close and to be honest, she took a huge pay cut as well. So all of this is kind of the whole roadmap and story that we had been kind of planning out, or journey that we had been kind of planning out. Well, mm-hmm. she was doing; she had a, a good paying role, a good paying job. She worked in the medical field for years. She actually took a pay cut. She left her good paying job and went and worked for the school district, which everybody knows normally if you're. You get a full-time role there, you're, you get state benefits. Mm-hmm. So when she did that, what it did for us was it allowed me to say, okay, we no longer need to worry about insurance for the family because she's got even better insurance than I did at my W-2. So I dropped my insurance, got on her insurance, and we saved like, I don't know, I think it was 400 dollars a month in insurance just by making that one change. And she did that because she knew hey, this can be my contribution to the family if we're going to go all in on this deal. Right. So from there, I COVID hit. So let me lay it all out, kind of how it all worked in sequence. And when COVID hit, one of the cool things that happened where I work is they sent out this long letter and said, hey, due to COVID, if you've been impacted, Listen to this carefully. I'm not saying everybody should do this, but I did it and made it work. But due to COVID, if you've been impacted in any way, whether it's reduced hours, whether it's layoffs or whatever, you can tap a certain portion of your 401k. It just so happened. My department, they reached out to us and said, hey, can you take a certain amount of time off with no pay? So they gave us like a week or two. Everybody in the whole department elected to take like a week or two off. And we either got a reduced pay or we got no pay. And I was one of the ones that elected to do that. And I knew as soon as I did that, I could then tap my 401k if I needed seed money or funds in order to leave my W-2. And so whenever I saw that letter, I knew right then that was my moment. I said, you know what? I could take. The hundred and something thousand I have sitting in my four hundred one k, we can reduce our expenses. And this was a huge. I mean, my wife and I had to really have a lot of had to have a lot of conversations around this because 
we lived in a beautiful home that we both loved a lot, but it was in a neighborhood. And all the while, while all this is going on, we were just kind of getting sick of the neighborhood atmosphere because there was a bunch of houses in this neighborhood and they were kind of close by. They were close side by side. Uh And we were like, well, we could also sell our house because we had equity in our house. And this is something for a lot of people because a lot of people would not have this type of partner on their side. A lot of times people, my wife took a huge step back. She sold the house she loved. We sold, we ended up selling the house. I took out all my 401k and we went 100% all in. When I say that, I mean, like we went all in. We sold our house. We moved to a townhouse that we had. It's a three bedroom, two bath. It's a lot smaller than the square footage we had in our house. And we said, you know what? We're just going to take a step back. We're going to reduce our expenses and we're going to make a go of this thing. And you can go run the property management company. She was like, I'm going to go work at the school district. We got insurance covered. We don't have to worry about that. And so I took my first, my first year basically of salary and I put it over to the side. We basically lived off of that for a while. And that was a scary, and you asked earlier about the scary part. That was the scary part. It was like, okay. I know we've reduced expenses, but do we really have enough runway to make mm-hmm. this work for, say, a year or two years if we absolutely need it to get the property management company up and rolling? Mm-hmm. So that's really how we did it. We created that roadmap, and we just we went all in, and everything kind of fell into place. COVID hit, and it was able, they gave me an outlet to go tap another hundred grand or, or more than yeah. And then we had the so, so we took that. And yeah, home. we were. <laughs> We went all with it, man. True, all that's that's awesome. It's like the sign. That letter seemed like to be a sign for you to like take that the leap forward, right? That's right. And man, it's so important to have your partner, right, to be sort of on the same page of your future that you're building, right? Yeah, because, and man, like if you have your partner all in, if you're all in, if you know where you're going, you created a plan. It's, I mean, it's just a matter of time until you succeed, right? Yeah, and that's a good. I would probably say, guys, take notes. Take notes of what John is saying because. It's so important. It's so important to have a plan. It's so important to have your partner to be on the same page with you. It's so important to go all in if you can, if you can, right? Because it's success. Because it's just a matter of time until you succeed, right? It's, yes, you probably will go through trial and error, trial and error. And there could be more trials, there could be more errors that you can expect. But the success, I would say, is inevitable. Would you agree? Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. We bought some property. We ended up buying land that we really liked and wanted. It's outside of town. Not necessarily out, way out in the country, but we bought six acres with a pond on it. And we actually almost finished building our house now. So it took us for a whole year. We didn't do anything but work and just try to create the the businesses and get them going. Because the bank didn't wouldn't necessarily loan me any money to build my yeah. house to get a construction sure. loan because I hadn't had all my businesses running and going yet. So what we ended up doing is we took and 
I joined Nate Hirschberg's, I basically bought his process. So another good thing to understand is I ended up paying for speed. So I took some of my money and I said, okay, I got to go generate a lot of cash. How can I do that? Outside of the property management company, because at the time it just, we were, we were making some money, but we just weren't making enough money, a substantial amount of money. So I went all in with Nate and we started flipping. I bought into his process with flip to quit. And I ended up, my wife and I, and some other partners that I had in certain flips, we ended up doing the first year, we had like four or five going that went into 2022, from 2021 into 2022. We were flipping houses in Columbia, we were flipping them in Florence, we were flipping them in Hartsville. Some of the surrounding areas, we did a deal out in Texas with a partner with boots on the ground. But we did roughly 31 deals within a year and about three months and we we did about that's a lot yeah it is a lot we ended up finding a good contractor in columbia and and he he was he's been a huge blessing for us but some of those deals i was either an equity partner in where i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't do all the work i was just either an equity partner or either i bought into the deal but a lot of those deals we actually flipped on our own with contractors locally and contractors outside of our area but but i don't mind sharing numbers i mean we did I actually just turned in some of my tax stuff today for our personal side of things for last year. But um, you know, we did a gross of about two point eight million in gross last year. But the net, I'll say this too: I flipped the twenty eight units while I was also flipping houses. So we ended up selling off the twenty eight units last year because we put a bunch of cash in them. And whenever the market went really crazy, everybody was buying multifamily. We had some pe- some guys come in and approach us about buying. But so yeah. we worked out a very, very good price. And we ended up netting a good chunk of money out of that deal. So I had that in on my net that I'll, I'll tell you here in just a minute. But last year, I mean, we netted well over a half a million dollars in, in just the flips only, not including any of the other businesses that we were doing. That's awesome. But it does. It takes a lot to do that. It takes a lot of expenses, as you can tell. Yep. That two point eight versus what we actually netted. There's a lot of expenses there. There's a lot of houses you got to buy. There's a lot of money you got to go raise. Yep. Whenever I began raising capital with private investors, is when it is the way I was able to do such a high volume, because the that was the rocket fuel. The rocket fuel was my network and raising capital. And once I figured those two things out, and I built that out. And I did it pretty quick. It was pretty, it was a good ride in 2022 and 2021 on the flip side of things. And so I ended up, I knew the economy was shifting because you could just see it. You knew interest rates were going to do something crazy. You just didn't know what it was at the, last year. Yeah. We backed off just a little bit on the flips. We still have some going right now, but we backed off a little bit on the flips. And I ended up merging my property management company with another company. So we did a merger. And that okay. was already doing appraisals. They were already selling real estate on the real estate sales through EXP. They were doing some f- fix and flip and the owner had a portfolio of rental properties on his own. And I had a portfolio of rental properties on my own. So we merged all of that together. And then we went, we went crazy and we said, well, we need to buy a service-based business where are we spending most of our money that we could bring in and make it a profit center? And landscaping was one of them. 
So it was, yeah, it was it was crazy. We spent about sixty eight grand or seventy thousand in landscaping in one year. When you combine the flips and all of the rental properties that we were managing and that we own, we were spending about seventy thousand a year in the landscaping. So we ended up buying a landscaping company that's been in business for about twenty five years and had a huge book of business on the yearly maintenance side for residential and commercial. It had grown out of a very nice side business for doing new installations for these big automated car washes, and they'd installed them across three different states. How did you land that deal? It was was an easy, like, I was dealing with my banker. I called my banker up and was telling him my idea, and I'll, I'll back up just a little bit for the ones that, that want to know how did you grow your network? Well, so here's how I did it. I met with everybody that owned real estate that I knew. of. So my banker owns real estate. He, he's been a huge mentor to me and he's taught me a lot about underwriting, how to find deals and how to buy your own deals. My banker owned real estate, yeah. attorney owned real estate, my insurance guy owned real estate. Everybody that I was surrounded, that I had surrounded myself with around my current location, around my area here in Florence, all of them owned real estate. Yeah, I was putting myself in those rooms in my local area, just like we all do when we go to these masterminds. I was masterminding every single day. That's very important. People got to understand, you got to get off the couch. You got to get out of your desk. You got to get away from your office. You got to get out of there and meet the right people, people you can know, like, and trust. And then then you start seeing things change for you. And that, that's what happened with me. And so that, that was the way I was able to meet some of these investors. I got what I call my core five, but I really deal with, with three guys a lot. We do a lot of business together on the private mm-hmm. side. And so, yeah, man, that's really kind of how we did it. But we, when we bought that landscaping company, I, I called my banker and I said, Hey man, I'm looking for a landscaping company. And I was telling him why and I, everything. <laughs> and he goes, really? I said, yeah. He said, give me a minute. And I said, okay, you calling me back or what, what do you want? What do you mean give you a minute? And he said, yeah, let me call you back. And two days later, he actually called me back and he said, I got something for you. He said, call this guy. He's looking to retire. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, call him. <laughs> and I gave you the company name because I'd seen it all over town. He's got these big trailers that he enclosed trailers that he pulled around. He's got his name all over the trailer, got his name all over the trucks. Um, yeah. So I called him when he said, well, let's go eat lunch. And we did, and within 30 days, we bought the business. We didn't do any SBA lending. We didn't wait on the the lenders for eight months. We didn't do any of that stuff. Again, we did a full, we built a relationship with him and his wife, and then we did a full sell it carry for that deal as well. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That's, uh, that's incredible. And it's like going back to, uh, just uh, going back slightly to what you just said, building the relationships, right? A lot of people jump into things with a mind of being transactional. Hey, I want to buy it. I want to buy it right now. And I'm like, Hey, I need this building right now, right now. So it sort of just take a minute, take a step back and just building the relationship with people who own those uh, buildings, right? Because it's, uh, I mean, relationships, I would say it's like so important that it's not for one day, right? I mean, so you build relationships with the person that is selling you the business, but he may know other people who are selling businesses that you may be interested in. 
or apartment complexes or anything else, right? So in the long run, I think it's so important not yeah. to destroy any bridges if you can, right? So, yeah. and I think this is what you do, right? This is exactly what you do. Yeah, I absolutely. I agree with that 100%. That's awesome, man. Let me ask you this. A lot of people, when they start something, even the side hustle, right? They do it for a while. They may drop it. They can grow that side hustle, but it may, it may not be the actually the actual business that they can transfer to from their W2 job, something like for fun, right? But, and maybe there is a reason of, maybe there is nothing of why behind it for them to go all in, or maybe they're scared or maybe something else. But what was your why? Like, what was, I know, I think you, you touched this a little bit earlier, but I'm not going to more deeper into discovering like what is your actual why into doing what you're doing right now? Like jumping in all in into the things that you wanted to. What was your why? Yeah. One thing I'd say too, when people jump out and do things and then they, they kind of quit because of the fear or they're just not satisfied with the results because they don't do it long enough to really capture the results they're looking for. Anything you do is going to take time. There's struggles, there's hurdles. There's just a lot of things you got to overcome and you got to be willing to face it and you got to be willing to accept it. But being passionate about what you're doing is very, very, very important. And I love real estate, always have loved it since I was younger, always I would look at those little mobile homes when my grandmother had them, and I would always think about that's a bucket of cash. Number two, that unit two is a bucket of cash. Unit three is a bucket of cash. And so I always thought about it and related it, not always to the monetary side, but I always looked at it as, too, she's helping someone have a home that maybe otherwise would be homeless. Right. I always thought about it that way because they, they were always huge helpers, and they helped people along the way many, many years. And so I thought about that too. If I got in, and I mean, we, my wife and I have helped several people while we were doing the property management or in the property mm -hmm. business where we would have people come to us from time to time. And granted, it's a business and you have to separate it. But I mean, we've helped people that were going to be homeless. They were getting evicted from certain properties and we were able to find them a property because we had some vacancies or we had a friend that had some vacancies or what have you. But that was, that's the real wise to be able to, and the reason is to be able to help people along the way and, and property management. You deal with so many issues with tenants and I might not be today. I might not be all in on day to day because I have a team running it. But at the end of the day, that team is an extension of me and my business partner. And they know how we feel about others and they know how we treat others. And they take that and they carry it on the same way. You got it. But at the end of the day, everything is about helping people. When you're in business, you can help people in multiple ways. It could be with your time. It doesn't have to be with just money. Yeah. It can be helping them overcome an obstacle in their business. And we get people call us a lot and say, hey, you guys are doing this, doing that. What would you do if you if you face this type of hurdle? So when you get out in the business world or, or out on your own, you'll eventually be known about other people. And then you're looked at as a resource. And so I like that. 
I like being looked at that way because it's, it allows me to be able to do what I love to do, and that's help other people in some way, shape, or form. Yep. A hundred percent. So you with this. I mean, whatever you have right now going on, it's so incredible, man. So incredible on so many levels. And so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one day, one day, I want to be just like you, John. No, don't say that now. Yeah. My wife says to me a lot. She says, wow, you woke up this morning with those bags under your eyes. But hey, there's a lot of, look, it's all in what you make of it. And I do believe yeah. I have bad days too. And I have, I have awesome days, but then there's times when you have bad days in your life. Man, in anything else, <laughs> in all, you know. I, I totally, I'm not on W2 right now. And it's, it's also like a long story. But I work right now more than I used to work in W2. Yeah. But it's so, so much satisfying. It's so much satisfying and rewarding that I don't even know if I want to go back to W2 anymore. Because, right. I mean, I've been thinking to get out of W2, but, and I also had a lot of thoughts and demons in my head and how am I going to do it? Like how to make a transfer, how to make a shift. And then luckily, like you had a letter, right? That was a sign. And last summer, uh, the company that I used to work for, there is like lots of layoffs in tech industry. Yeah. And our company laid off about 25% of the people. And I was one of those. I, I was one of those people that got laid off. Yep. And, and I don't know if it was a sign or not, but it seemed like, yeah, I think I started thinking about like going all in into the things that I wanted to do and I never looked back as well. It's very, it's still very challenging, right? Like, don't get me wrong. It's like, there are so many things that I need to figure out. There are so many things that I need to go through. There are so many, there's a lot, right? And when you don't have people working for you, right? When you're just starting out, when you're sort of alone on this journey, it's it's very challenging and could be very lonely. Oh yeah, from time to time, right? And yeah, but it teaches me to work in abundance. It teaches me to be in abundance and help others in abundance that want to start. In real estate, for example, right? Because you and I, we are in real estate. But yeah, I think I totally understand where we're coming from, man. And it's a lot to take in. And that's why your story is so inspiring because even to me, I'm a few steps, I would say, behind you. But uh, I learned a lot from people like you. I learned a lot from people like you to be where you guys are at the moment. And I want to inspire others as well yeah. to take that one step forward and because it could be so rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. That's one reason we, that's another why. I mean, it, that we do what we do is in, in getting the message out there and helping people that may be struggling with something 
So it's kind of that one-to-many concept, which is the reason, and we hadn't talked about, that's the reason I wrote the book. So I wrote So I've been actually super proud of this thing. So we just finished it. I, I, I had Mike Fallot and his team with the publishing company he owns, which is uh, Dream Starters Publishing, helped me publish a book that I had always wanted to write. And, and in the beginning, I had started kind of typing up a bunch of stuff and kind of putting a book together years ago. And the title of it was Why I Divorced Corporate America. And the goal was <laughs> while I was working. And then as I left, and when I left, the goal was to have it somewhat complete and then whenever I was able to exit, whenever that time was going to be, I was going to publish the book. And it was going to be like, why I left corporate America. And I thought it would be pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, I met with Mike and told him what I wanted to do. And we ended up talking. He said, you know what? You should tell how you did it. And let's make another, let's make a different title. And let's rewrite the whole book. And let's go ahead and do it take a different path and so i i did I, I was like wow that's awesome you know you're right i need to write about if i really want to impact others not why i mean not how i did it or yeah how i did it versus why i did it so mm-hmm. that's what the book's about it tells a lot about some of the questions you asked me eugene as well but it's the name of it is the title is the end game how to shift your mindset build the life you deserve and play to win in business that's a that's amazing hey uh, I'm going to ask for that. Uh, it's on Amazon? It's on Amazon. Absolutely. Yes. I just actually got, so I just got my new hardcover in this week with the new bestseller. So we were able to get bestseller status in two to, or three different categories. Uh, we sold enough copies in the time that we were given through Amazon. They give you like a certain amount of time. And so we were able to sell enough copies in that time frame to win bestseller status. And ever since then, I mean, I've had a lot of my people in my network send me IMs and text messages and emails showing they'd order boxes of them to give away to people. And to be honest, man, it was just, uh, I was overwhelmed with, uh, wow. Thankfulness. And it, it's just been a cool, been a cool thing so far. So I got some plans for kind of how I want to take this book and, and potentially move into somewhat of an education type program because, I, the reason I wrote it too, another reason I had a lot of people calling me, asking me a lot of questions about how I did what I did and why I did it and all of that. So I was like, well, how can I reach a lot of people but not spend my entire day on the phone telling people how I did it? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, heck, I could write a book and reach one to minutes. Hey, now you can share this podcast as well. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. There are so many things to talk about. And- Probably can take the whole day, but I know yeah. we don't have a whole day. I I do want to invite you at some point uh, to have another episode to, to record another episode with you. Let's but do uh, let's do it, man. Uh, but I do want to ask you a few questions in our final round, and I do want to ask you to give us the link to uh, to your book that you have on Amazon at the end of the show, so we can uh, share that with our listeners. But for now, uh, I want to ask you a few questions that sort of like fun questions. And one of them is, so besides your book, I know you just told us about your book. 
I had a question about if in 100 years, science fails to save us and all that is left, a book about your life, right? What would that title in Blurb tell us about John Evans? So Endgame doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was a good question. So, so if science fails us and in a hundred years, there was just a book left about John Evans, what would it tell us? Yes. The title. What would the title be? Ooh. And the blurb. That's a cool question. <laughs> Man, there's a lot going on in my head. <laughs> That's a question. Um, the guy that gave it all up to go all in. Wow. The guy that gave it all that's up. A good, all in. That's a good one. Yeah. Hey, it looks like it's a good title for the next book. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's we, we did, my wife and I, we did. We gave up a big chunk in salary. We both gave up chunks of salary. We gave up uh, a home that we loved and we went all in, man. We did. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And at the end of the show, I do like ask people who come to the show. Can you leave our listeners with one or two tips to make so they can take the tips home and just take action on it? Like what those tips would be? You say tips, give give tips. And yeah. Take action. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like for example, yeah. like for, yeah, for people yeah. who want to take the, their first step forward or a second step or. Right. They're sort of already in transformation mode. Yes. Like, so the first thing, yeah. Thing, yeah, the first thing would be invest in yourself. I mean, I, I know you hear that a lot, but this is real. Like you have to invest in yourself first because you're just going to get so much out of it. And yep. then too, you're going to be able to build confidence. And that's very important in, in the entrepreneurial world. You have to have confidence because you're just going to run up against so many hurdles that you got to overcome. And confidence really helps with that. And then another one I would say would be meet as many people doing whatever it is you're passionate about that you can meet. It doesn't have to be in your own area. It could be in Colorado. It could be in Florida. It could be a hundred miles away from you, two, three states away from you. But if you, if there's someone that's really doing what you want to do and you see that they're impacting others, I mean, go meet with them. Try your best to get in front of them and set up a meeting with them. That was very important for me and it really, really helped my trajectory was, was the people I met was how I got a lot of rewards. Excellent. And so just to summarize guys, what John said, so number one, you know, build your network, right? Go out and meet as many people as you can that do things that you want to do, right? Number two, build confidence. And number three, uh, what was number three again? Well, just the building confidence part. I kind of, I, I think I probably added some stuff to the building confidence, but you got to be able to take action to do something so you can get rewarded so you will build confidence. And that's just very important is having the confidence to do anything in life. Because if you don't, you're always going to do it mediocre 
if you don't have the confidence to go out and, and kill it and crush it and make it yeah. you know, home and make it the best you can make it. There, there you go, guys. Take action. John just gave you a very good advice. Basically, simple steps that doesn't take that doesn't take too much of your time, right? It doesn't have to take too much of your time. If you can't really go 100 miles away from your house, just meet people on Zoom, just pick up a phone and talk, talk to people on the phone. I 100% agree. I think confidence is one of the important factors into pursuing your dreams. And like you said, there, there will be so many challenges in the way that that could stop you from going forward to, to achieve your dreams, but you need to find motivation and you need to find confidence to move forward. Yeah. The edu the, yeah. the part about the confidence, Eugene, that we didn't, when we reconvened on that was the investing in yourself, investing invest in yourself. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Invest in yourself. That's yeah. I could relate to that myself, guys, because when I was laid off uh, from my W2 job, I started going to lots of mastermind classes. I started connecting with lots of people and I started building that confidence that was necessary for me to go and take the necessary steps. Exactly what just John was saying. So. Like I'm an example of what John was just saying, All right? So John, I think you nailed it hundred percent. Tell us how people can connect with you because I know yeah. you're a go-giver and guys, I think John is the guy that you want to connect to. Like he said, he's a go-giver, which he gives a lot to people. He doesn't charge anything right now. He likes doing this. And John is the guy that I think you want to connect to, to figure out what steps you need to take in your journey to get to where you want to be, to where you want to be. John, yeah. how, how can people connect with you? Yeah. I'm on Facebook a good bit. I do a good bit of posting there. I'm on Instagram, but I don't do a whole lot on Instagram and a little bit of social media. I don't, I don't have a massive presence, but I do, I do like Facebook a good bit. I, I post just mainly business stuff or maybe like some, I like to go on and post things for people to maybe inspire people. But my email is john at the, T-H-E, alliance-companies.com. And we can put that in the, uh, in the chat or the thread. Yeah, we'll share that. Yeah. yeah you, if you're well, with that, we'll share. <laughs> you can IM awesome. me or DM me through Messenger, off of Facebook, and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, probably offline after 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 this, uh, maybe you can give me your Facebook and Instagram handlers and uh, we'll share yeah. that too. Absolutely. No problem at all, man. Awesome, man. John, well, hey, thank you so much for coming out to our show. That was a pleasure. It was, uh, I think we got lots of nuggets from this conversation, especially me. I was taking notes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank yeah. you for having me. And, uh, 
I'm sure we'll, we'll connect soon. And I would be glad to have you on a, sometime on our next episodes. Thank you, man. I appreciate you too. Hope you have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to take action towards building the life you've always wanted. Don't forget to leave us a review, share, and subscribe to our podcast for more empowering stories, actionable insights, and motivation to help you make the shift towards your own dreams. Thanks again for listening to The Shift.